Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Thanks for joining us for the latest installation of the election update podcast brought to you through the Washington Update newsletter. I'm Kristen Bulat um, with NFP and Partners Financial, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michael Moriarty, who is the CIO of Wealthspire Advisors, and Dave Carter, the CIO of Lennox Wealth Advisors. We're here to give you a little bit of a market watch and an update and sort of talk about how ways that the election or political machinations coming out of Washington are impacting the market and what you can be talking to people about in terms of the market. So I, um, before we get started, Michael, do you want to just introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about your background and your role with Wellspire? Sure thing, Kristen. Thank you. Uh, thank you for hosting this event. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I am the Chief Investment Officer of Wellspire Advisors. We are a 10 or $11 billion RIA uh, based in New York City, the Mid-Atlantic area, and the upper Midwest. Um, we recently announced an acquisition of another called billion dollar RIA, one and a half billion dollar RIA. Um, Wellspire itself is a rebranded uh, merge merger of uh, Bronfman Rothschild and Sontag Advisory last year. Um, and so as chief investment officer, I'm responsible for all the things you would expect to Chief Investment Officer of a, of a $10 billion RIA to be responsible for. That's primarily manager due diligence, thoughts around asset allocation, thoughts around capital markets assumptions, um, et, et cetera. Thank you. Dave, how about you? Can you do a little bit of introduction and tell us about sure, yourself? Sure, I'll be happy to. So I'm David Carter. I serve as the Chief Investment Officer for Lennox Wealth Advisors. Lennox Wealth is a registered investment advisor. And we just do a couple different things. You know, number one, we do financial planning, you know, generally for high net worth clients. And we do investment management for high net worth clients. On the investment side, we generally build out multi-asset class portfolios. So generally holding stuff like equities, fixed income, and alternatives. I'll stop there. All right, thank you. So David, if you want to kick us off, um, you know, we've been paying a little bit of attention to the news and there was a, an announcement from the White House about the president and you know his health in terms of being positive for COVID-19. And we saw the markets respond quite dramatically um, to that announcement. And then as we were sort of getting ready to kick this off that the markets were kind of rebounding and you know the volatility has just been dizzying. And so I just was wondering if you could talk about some of the factors that are probably driving this market falling um, unemployment, rising unemployment, COVID-19, the election. Just, you know, what are, what are these external factors that you're seeing that really are impacting volatility? Yeah, great question. I think this is sort of one of these yeah, unique periods where Washington is really driving Wall Street. So what's happening in Washington is having a, you know, a more direct and clear impact on markets, and really more so than you know, other, other typical times. And I think what's happening in Washington are probably a couple different issues, at least in our opinion. Number one, obviously, the presidential election. And then number two, uh, fiscal stimulus, right? So more, more, more spending from the federal government. And really what we've been seeing, uh, number one, as it relates to fiscal stimulus, and 
whenever the news in Washington is positive that, yeah, a stimulus plan is coming, markets tend to react well to that news in rally. And of course, you know, the opposite is true. And when, when the, the news out of Washington is that fiscal stimulus is less likely, you then start to see the market struggle. So really, as the news changes, you know, the, the markets are going to change as well, which, which speaks to some of that volatility. I think the second thing coming out of Washington uh, is the presidential election. And I think in our opinion, you know, markets can do okay if Trump wins or if Biden wins, but markets need to know who wins. So this risk of a contested election or delayed election results, markets can't do well with that. I think they're afraid of that. So as the probability of that sort of increases, you have a lot more volatility in markets. Again, markets will do fine if Trump wins or if Biden wins, but we need to know who wins. And of course, the most recent sort of unfortunate news about the president uh, uh, getting COVID, I think again, that sort of increases the uncertainty around, well, are we gonna have an election? Are we gonna, you know, will it be contested? Um, it, it just adds some more uncertainty. So I'll stop there. Michael, what about you from your vantage point? Yeah, I think I think that David uh, hits on some some very important points. I think um, I think the question around the election itself and declaring a winner, I think, is really uh, the headline here. Um, I perhaps would interpret today's market performance um, to the fact that. The, the polls have been decidedly negative uh, toward Trump and his chances over the last week or so. And might that be, might that result in an increased chance of an uncontested election? And perhaps that's uh, the, the, the market expressing relief on, on that point uh, to, Dave, to David's point, I think is a, is a reasonable interpretation. I think from where I sit as well, um, you know, one of the things that we try to uh, we try to, to, to pound the table on with our clients is that um, we don't know where the next market volatility is going to come from, whether it's going to come from Washington or whether it's going to come you know, from the financial crisis, the, the subprime mortgage space. But we know market volatility is, is, is there. It rears its head from time to time. I think the important point is this year uh, with the, if you had a a moderate or a balanced, six, call it 60-40 or 50-50 portfolio, you probably were down 20%-ish through March. And if to the extent you, you, you stay tight, uh, you, you largely have, have recovered that. Um, and that, that's kind of garden variety, couple of times a decade type performance. And so we try to, we try to hammer on the point with our clients that um, while volatility can be unsettling, it is going to happen. That is just a byproduct of being in, in the markets. And we just try to make sure clients know that, uh, know what it means to open up a statement and you're down, you know, 20% year to date. And just stress, stress the importance of not making unwise decisions at that point. But yes, there is no question that there's volatility in the market. Um, and it's probably going to be here through the election. And um, I think the, uh, the I think the the the, um, the the outcome of the election itself is is what's driving it right now. Okay. And I, Michael, I think, go ahead, Dave. I think Michael raises an excellent point that you know I, I think you're seeing the market perform reasonably well today because there's a little bit more of the emergence of a clear winner. You know, Biden is moving ahead in the polls, so I think that the market would like to see the emergence 
of a clear winner. Doesn't really matter if it's Trump or Biden, in, in our opinion. So you, you brought up the um, idea of fiscal spending and stimulus that we've seen. You know, we saw several different versions of stimulus over this year, um, some more business focused and some more focused on individuals. Can you first talk about if you saw the market responding more favorably to the business focused stimulus, the Paycheck Protection Program, or if it's more on the individual side? And then, um, Michael, if you want to pick that up and talk about sort of what the next stimulus could, if depending on who ends up in the White House, how that could drive the markets going forward. Sure, I, I think you're giving probably too much credit to the market to, to, to have that nuanced a interpretation of the type of stimulus. I, I think it's a, a, a little more blunt. Um, you know, I refer to it as a time value of stimulus. More stimulus is better than less stimulus and stimulus today is better than stimulus tomorrow. Uh, and so I think, I think that's what the, um, I think that's what the, 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 the market, the market does. Um, I will say that, um, you know, if pressed, I would say on the margins, the market probably would be, uh, look more favorably on, on, on future stimulus that targets one, the, the individual, uh, and two, perhaps state and local gov governments. Uh, I think those, those are the two that really feel to me that they're bearing the brunt uh, of the COVID shutdown, uh, and probably the market would respond uh, most most favorably to that. Um, I think also too, it's important to remember that um, you know the the PPP, uh, the Payroll Protection Plan, um, that really was pretty uh, powerful, uh, and a lot of people analogize PPP with uh, the the quantitative easing that the Fed has. Uh, undertaken for the last last number of years, and to me, it's 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 radically different. The QE is kind of wonky, and even us in in the space kind of find a find it hard to figure out what exactly is going on and where's money going to, where am I, where's money going from. But big picture, money's gen Fed is generally buying assets from banks, and then they hope the bank's going to turn around and lend that money. Well, I think the the history is kind of mixed on that. I I don't think. I don't think we got the results from QE that the Fed had hoped. Now, query what would have happened if we didn't have QE? Would it have been far worse? Don't know. Uh, but with PPP, this was this was um, the federal government. Which this was the, the federal government backstopping loans from banks, and that is that is there that there is a direct transmission uh, to creating money in the in the form of loans versus buying assets from banks in the form of QE and hoping they turn around and do it. So. PPP was very powerful. I think um, there'll, there'll be more of that type of stimulus in the future. The question is when, the question is whether it's gonna have to be after the election or ap after the new Congress is, is seated in January. Dave, what are you seeing from your standpoint? Yeah, I think I gotta agree with Michael's points. I thought they were good. I think, you know, the fiscal stimulus spending to date, we think has been effective and important, uh, but the market is expecting more additional fiscal stimulus. We do think it's needed to bridge the economy until COVID passes. I would agree that municipalities will need some more aid. I know when I look at the Metro North trains rolling through my town, they're fairly empty. I think some financial aid will be needed for some of these municipal agencies. 
I think spending directed at, uh, at, at individuals or people will be particularly effective as uh, unemployment remains high. And as you likely know, uh, the US economy is largely driven by consumer spending. If I could, if I could add, I think uh, just, to, just to highlight one of the point David, points David made, I think it's very important that I think the market uh, is pricing in additional stimulus. Um, and to the extent that does not uh, come to fruition, I think there's there's a decent chance of of uh, some market declines. Uh, I think I think David's right. The market is expecting it. They probably were expecting it in late summer. They didn't get it. Welcome to uh, call it a ten percent uh, drawdown and in, in ten plus percent drawdown in the markets in September. Um, feels like there's a higher chance today than there was a few weeks ago of that, and perhaps again contributing to the market rally today in the last couple of days. David, I saw you nodding as Michael was talking. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to that sort of market expectation? Yeah, you know, I think I'd say um, um, it's unfortunate for many reasons that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Uh, but now we have Congress fighting over the Supreme Court, which, in our opinion, makes it less likely they're going to come to agreement on fiscal stimulus. Mm -hmm. So if I could ask you both to pivot a little bit. In my role in individual solutions, I spend a lot of time talking to our advisors about things that they should be encouraging their clients to do to set themselves up for success, to build flexibility into their overall plan so that they're not constantly being whipsawed by what's happening in Washington. And you know, the point you just made about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, distracting from the stimulus. I think that that's sort of indicative of a larger kind of squirrel mentality of Congress, where you know the next thing is is the thing they focus on. And so I imagine that you both spend a lot of time talking to your clients about similar things, how to set themselves up, how to be in a position to weather sort of ups and downs. Can you talk to me about some of the things that you both are saying to your clients and you know the advisors that you work with? Um, Dave, David, do you want to start? Yeah, sure, I'd be happy to. I think um, you know, with all this volatility, you know, certainly in March of this year, you know, clients may feel the need to to alter their plan. And a lot of what we do, and I'm sure most RIAs do, is, um, uh, is discuss the importance of a long-term strategic plan and then sticking to that plan. But in our opinion, the strategic plan has to have some wiggle room. And what I mean by that is if you're, to, to simplify, let's say your long-term plan is 50% equities, 50% bonds, that's gonna allow me to live the life I want and the retirement I want, that's great, but I don't, we don't think the right number is exactly 50-50. I think you need to put a little wiggle room around the plan and leave room to take the equity allocation down a little bit or up a little bit. I think, you know, partly because it can make the client a little more comfortable and probably because it gives you the opportunity to take advantage of market opportunities as they come and go. So when March hit with Corona, you know, we, we had the opportunity to, to move around portfolios. 
and to still stay within that wiggle room, to still stay consistent with the long-term strategic plan, but use the wiggle room to take advantage of current opportunities. That's a great idea. Michael, what about you guys at Wildfire? Yeah, I would, I would say there, there are two big things that we're trying to pound the table on with our clients. Um, number one is, um, is it, going back to my earlier point about just expecting volatility. It's one thing when you start, when you're starting a relationship with a client and you collectively agree that, you know, to David's point, the 50-50 allocation sounds about right. And we can all run simulations on how a 50-50 portfolio may behave. It has historically behaved. And we can highlight, you know what, you're probably going to have a 20% drawdown a couple times a decade. And that, that is all intellectually true and easy to understand when you're sitting in the conference room and when the seas are calm in the context of that onboarding the relationship. But it feels a lot different in the heat of the moment. I guarantee it felt a lot different. Uh, in the middle of March of this year, when when someone logged on to their their their, their portal and saw that down 20% number, uh, when when you're facing it, uh, you know straight straight in, straight in front of you, it, it's it's just a different feeling. So just really trying to continually emphasize what it means to be, to have a 50/50 portfolio, what it means for possible drawdowns in a 60/40 portfolio, et cetera. Um, the second thing that I've increasingly of late tried to emphasize is that like David's firm, our firm really leads with financial planning. And at its core, financial planning is answering the question in some form, can, this, can the client meet their financial goals and, and or how likely is it that they'll meet their financial goals? And that analysis um, is largely informed about what you think financial markets are going to provide in terms of returns over the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years, the life of the financial plan. We call those capital market assumptions. What are equities going to do? What are fixed income markets going to do? What are international equities going to do, et cetera? And the important point is, and somewhat counterintuitively, is that there's almost a self-mitigating, self-correcting nature of portfolio, recent portfolio performance and then subsequent capital markets assumptions, which in, inform that financial planning. What do I mean by that? By pretty much any estimation, last year, 2019 was a phenomenal year. Likely, no matter how you were allocated, you probably were up high single digits, double digits, maybe even mid-teens. That's the good news. You open your statement in January of 2020, and it's really, really high versus where it was at the end of 2018. That's the good news. The bad news is, that financial plan now, when you refresh it, you put in new capital market assumptions. And almost to a person that who produces these capital market assumptions, their numbers as of that point would have been a little more muted uh, than the capital market assumptions from a year, year, year ago. So good, your portfolio is up, and your CMP, the capital market assumptions looking forward are worse. And but that works in reverse as well. And so as of say the end of March of this year most likely your portfolio was down double digits bad but again now refreshing that financial plan with new 331 capital market assumptions they offset the negative impact of the portfolio significantly and in many cases somewhat surprisingly we actually found a client's chance of meeting their financial goals as of 331 were actually higher than they were as of 1231 simply because the effect of the higher cmas compensated for 
the lower portfolio value. So we're trying to really emphasize those two things. Um, try to emphasize that there's two sides to the coin and they, they often in opposite directions. The headlines certainly around the market performance, S&P up 10, S&P down 20, et cetera. Uh, but there's that second element that is equally important. All right, thank you. And as we're wrapping up, David, is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with? Ideas? I think it's, uh, you know, I, think it, I think as Michael said, it was an excellent point that look, markets are going to be volatile. Volatility is normal in markets. And it's kind of wonky, but thankfully markets are volatile. If they weren't volatile, you would just get the risk-free return, which is around 2%. So markets are volatile, embrace that, prepare for it, have some things in your portfolio that can do well when equity markets are down. And I think, uh, again, build out this strategic long-term plan with some wriggle room, wiggle room to take advantage of those market opportunities. Thank you so much. Michael, any last thoughts? Yeah, I think that, uh, again, as we spend a lot of time on the call, a lot of focus on Washington, D.C. these days. I think, uh, again, because we're long-term in nature, I would just encourage clients to look through the election. I think at the next level, the reality is, uh, there's, from a policy perspective, there likely will not be much difference to a Biden presidency versus Trump. Biden, by any by any. Uh, stretches largely a moderate and Trump is certainly not your grandparents conservative. Um, so as David said, markets can do well with the Biden presidency, markets can do well with the Trump presidency. Uh, so we just encourage people to, to, to look through that. Uh, and, and as perhaps we're seeing today, um, markets perhaps will respond most favorably to a sweep of either party. It feels like right here, right now, that's more likely with the Democrats. Uh, but again, a reasonable chance that market is gonna chug along no matter what happens in Washington as they always do. Well, thank you both for participating today. And that reminder that, you know, volatility is to be expected and good, particularly with high quality advisors like both of you are, you know, you have a long-term plan, you can really weather it and, and look for opportunities. So I appreciate the market outlook and the reminders and the insights. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, and thank you for hosting. This was fun. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the latest episode in our new Washington Update 2020 election mini-series. We will keep you informed and up to date on the candidates and their platforms as we get closer to the presidential election.